so this morning, I'm, my goal and my hope is, is that we can just kind of take a few minutes to kind of refocus and recenter and try to find that direction and, uh, or at least give you some steps to start working in that direction to help find that place where God wants you next. Does that make sense? Because ultimately, that's where I want to be. I want to be within God's will, doing what he's called me to do. Okay. Elizabeth Elliot. And for those of you who don't know her, uh, she was the wife of a missionary in South America. His name was Jim Elliot. He went down there to try to try to work with these people in South America. He ended up, they ended up killing him. That's basically what happened. Now, as I was having a discussion with my wife this morning, I said, I'm not sure that the response that this lady had would be the same response my wife would have if that happened to me. Okay, This lady didn't quit working with those people. She actually picked up his ministry and continued to work with those people in South America and actually made great inroads with them. And many, many people came to know Christ because of her husband's death. Okay, Just to kind of give you an idea who she is. Elizabeth Elliot tells of two adventurers who stopped by to see her all loaded up with equipment for the rainforest east of the Andes. They sought no advice, just a few phrases to converse with the Indians. She writes, Sometimes we come to God as the two, the two adventurers came to me, confident and we think well-informed and well-equipped. But it has occurred to us that with all our accumulation of stuff, something is missing. See, she suggests that we often ask God for too little. We know what we need, a yes or no answer to a simple question, or perhaps a road sign, something quick and easy to point the way. But what we really ought to have is the guide himself. I thought that was pretty good. Maps and road signs and a few useful phrases are things, but infinitely better is someone who has been there before and knows the way. So when she's talking about a guide, what guide am I talking about? Holy Spirit, but let's take it. Let's, let's take it in more broader terms. Uh, God, okay, because the, it's it's kind of the breakdown of the whole thing. I'll just stay with me, okay? Heesh. Oh my goodness. All right, all right. God is our ultimate guide. Now, yes, the Holy Spirit is going to help us out, and I'll explain that in just a minute. Just just hang with me, okay? And so, what I want to do is, I want to get to the point where I'm using God as my guide to get me to the next point, okay? Is this a new concept? Absolutely not. If you look throughout the Bible, did God guide people in the Bible? Absolutely. If you look at the Israelites, he led them out of Egypt. Two points for you. Okay. He led them out of Egypt. Now, granted, they screwed it up somewhere along the way where they had to walk around a circle 40 years, but he did lead them out of Egypt. Okay. Wilderness is a whole different story. Next, Jonah. Did God guide Jonah to Nineveh? Probably not in the, or did I say Jonah? I did say Jonah, right? Good. Okay, Jonah, going to Nineveh. Now, granted, he, he should have just jumped on a boat and went when God told him to, but God used a fish to guide him to Nineveh, okay? But he got there, all right? God was guiding that situation, all right? Jesus was led into the desert, wilderness, okay? Where he was tested for 40 days, okay? Who was leading him? Who was guiding him? God. Okay? Good job. You guys are following with me. All right? And lastly, Paul on his missionary journeys, many times, who was guiding him on these missionary journeys? If not all the time. It's pretty much God telling him exactly where he wanted him to go. Okay? Or opening doors to where he wanted him to go. So this idea of God being our guide is not a foreign concept. Okay? 
And I truly believe that He wants to guide us in the same way that He's done so in the Bible. We just have to be ready and willing and listening when those times come. All right? Now, the first thing we have to understand is that when you're planning a journey, you're planning a trip, and you need a guide, you got to have what you're headed towards, a destination, right? When you're planning a trip, is it a very good trip if you don't know where you're going? I mean, I've done those kind of trips before, but they're, they're not quite as much fun as when I say, hey, this is the destination, this is where I'm going to go, this is how we're going to get there, okay? In the Christian walk, in the spiritual walk, do we have a destination what we're, uh, what we're working for? Absolutely. I think there's two things. The first of all is we're working towards maturity. All right. It says in Ephesians 4.13, Till we all come into unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measures of the statures of the fullness of Christ. What are we working towards? That maturity that we're trying to be like Christ. Okay. So that's the first step. That's the first destination is, is that we're trying to progress along this, this pattern and this path that makes us more like Christ. And why do we want to be more like Christ? Because we want to share other, we want to show other people what Jesus can do. Okay? And ultimately, and we need to understand that with the maturity, is, is, is this something that you do in 15 minutes and you're done? And you've, you've, you've achieved this maturity that you're looking for, and that's it, you're done. You don't have anything else. Hmm? No, it's something that's, that's something you have to work on every day. You have to progress with this maturity. You have to keep working on it, keep working on it, keep working every day of your life. Uh, There's an illustration of a celloist. He was 69 years old. He was considered one of the greatest celloists at that time. Okay. A young journalist asked him, you are one of the greatest celloists of this time. Why do you practice six hours a day? And the man responded, because I think I'm finally making progress. Okay, that should be us. We're finally making progress. We got to keep working at it until we get there. Okay. So first part of the destination is what? We're trying to reach that maturity that Christ has called us to. Second of all, where do we want to go when we die? Or if the rapture happens before that, where do we want to be? In heaven. You got it. Okay. So if that's ultimately the goal, that's what we should be working for, right? is to understand that our home is not here, it is where? It's in heaven. What does the Bible say about that? It says, in my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, that's where you will be. Okay? So ultimately... We have a place in heaven, and that's where we're trying to get to. Does the maturity help us along the way to get to that point? Absolutely. Because if we're trying to be more like Christ, that eventually is what? This is what's going to help us get in the door. Okay? But we have to be heavenly focused because we understand that everything in this world is what? Temporal. And it's going to pass away. The only thing that's not going to pass away is Jesus and heaven. Okay? That's where our focus needs to be. So we have our destination. We understand that uh, as Christians, we need to be maturing, progressing along the thing, or progressing along the way. It's not something that happens overnight. We have to work at it every day. And second, our final destination to where we want to arrive when this whole ride is done with is heaven, where we're sitting there with Jesus face to face, worshiping Him, 
and that's where I want to be. Okay, so how do we get there? What are some things? Well, it's not like the Lord has given us this journey and says, okay, here, here you go figure it out. Okay, I want you to be in heaven, but that's all you get. No, he's kind of outlined some things and given us a few tools to be able to get there. Like what you said, the Holy Spirit. See, I told you I was going to come back to it. Okay, all right. So, so when I'm trying to find a place, place I've never been, I usually pull out my phone, I pull up the Google Maps, I put my destination in there, and then that phone will talk to me all the way down, even when I don't need it to, and tell me where I'm supposed to go. Okay? It's like, I don't need you to tell me anyway. You, you understand. You've all used it. Okay? It's kind of the same way with the Lord. He's kind of given us some things, kind of given us a roadmap, kind of given us something to kind of nudge us in the right direction. What's the first thing he's given us? Well, and what I think is one of the most important is the Word of God. If you're kind of if you're kind of breaking this down, the Bible is kind of the what? The roadmap, right? Because if you're in that, because if you're in the Word and you're you're in it on, on a daily basis, that is going to determine where you're going to go. Okay. It says in Psalms 119, 105, the Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay. The Word is a what? A light unto my path. So, if we're in the Bible, we're using that as our compass, is that going to determine which direction that we're going to, or which way we're going to live our life? Well, I would hope so, because there's some pretty pointed things in there. You know, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. Pretty cut and dry. You know what I'm saying? So there's some things in there that should help guide us to the directions that we need to go. Second of all, is like you said, the Holy Spirit. And I kind of liken this, and maybe my analogy is wrong here, but I kind of liken that to the lady on the phone that's telling you which direction to go. Okay, So you have the Bible, that's the map, then you got the Holy Spirit that's kind of nudging you in the directions that you need to go. Does that make sense? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of that's the way I see it. In John 16, 13, it says, However, when he, the, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. Okay? The Holy Spirit. It's there to help nudge you along. The problem is, what I struggle with is sometimes I tune the Holy Spirit out. Okay? So I have to be careful. Because it's just like with my phone app when I'm, when I'm driving. If I decide not to listen to the lady and I get lost, whose fault is that? It's mine. Okay? He's given us the map. He's given us the nudging. If we're willing to follow him and stay on the path and listen to the Holy Spirit, then we should have a pretty good idea of which way he wants us to go. Moody, and this is D.L. Moody. You know, he was a famous, uh, a famous pastor. Moody was to have a campaign in England. An elderly pastor protested, Why do we need this Mr. Moody? He is uneducated and inexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he has the monopoly on the Holy Spirit? Okay, I would have lots of questions about that meeting. A younger, wiser pastor rose and responded, No, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. Pretty good, huh? And that's really what we want to be. We want the Holy Spirit to have a monopoly on our life. Okay. All right. Third thing. So we have we have the word, we have the Holy Spirit, and ultimately we have God's will. Okay. 
And that is truly what is going to keep us in the directions that we need to go. Now, is God's will always super easy to determine? On some things, yes. On other things, no. There are, there are some times when, if you go back to the original illustration we talked about, the yes or no would be really nice. You know, there are many times when I, when I would wish the Lord would just come down and have that cup of coffee on the front porch that my dad talks about, and he would just tell me, hey, I want you to do this. Okay? It'd be a lot easier. But he doesn't do that all the time. Okay? He, he has had those, those, those times when he has, but for the most part, we have to use the Holy Spirit and use the Bible to determine his, to, to determine his will. A minister received a call from a church that offered him a salary of four times what he was then receiving. Being a devout man, he spent much of his time in prayer trying to discern what God wanted him to do. One day, a friend met the, minister, the minister's young son on the street. He said, so, do you know what your dad is going to do? Well, replied the, well, replied the youngster, dad's praying, but mom's packing. Guess where they're going? Okay. Sometimes it's not always real easy to determine his will. But if we're in the word and we're doing what he's telling us to do, we're following that, then we should be able to differentiate in a way where his will is. Because if we're in the will of God, that's where we're going to be the most useful. Okay? I don't know about you, but I've been in both. Where I've done a few things outside of his will and do things within his will. And things always turn out better when I'm functioning within what? His will. Okay? What happens when I don't is I'm doing things on my own and they never turn out right. Okay? So we have to make sure that we are functioning within his will. All right, so we're on a journey. We understand the, destina the, the destination is maturity. We understand the destination is heaven. We understand that he's given us a few tools. He's given us his will, the Holy Spirit, and the word. Okay, let's talk about the journey, this path that we're on. Is it an easy path? No, it's not. Okay, a small girl had been promised the privilege of climbing to a nearby hilltop where her brother enjoyed playing. But she, when she came within sight of the steep, rough path, she drew back in dismay. Why, there isn't a smooth spot anywhere. It's bumpy and stony, she exclaimed. Yes, said her more experienced older brother. But how else would we ever climb to the top of it if the stones and the bumps were not there to step on? Hmm, pretty good. Hmm, and that's the truth. A lot of times, the Christian walk has what? Bumps and things in it, but it's that way that we progress and we climb and we keep going, you know, trying to be more like Christ, trying to reach that maturity that keeps us going. In Psalm 16, 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in the presence, his fullness of joy, and at thy right hand, the pleasures forevermore. So let's break down the path a little bit. And we understand that it's not always easy. When does this path start? When does the journey start? Well, ultimately, it starts what? When you're born. That's when you kind of begin the journey. Now, the crucial turning part is, is what? Salvation. When you ask Christ into your life, you begin the spiritual journey that we're talking about. Now, is that spiritual journey the same for everybody? No. If you're like me and like my sister, you probably ask Christ into your life at a what? Very young age. Does that happen for everybody? 
No. Okay? Some people will ask at 15, 20, 30, 60, 80. And your progression along that journey is going to be different than mine. Now, the beauty is, is are we all going to get to the same place? Absolutely. Because we're all striving and we're all progressing on the same path. We just haven't reached the same points. Okay? In that maturity that we're talking about. So the beauty is, we all may start at a different point, and maybe we start at the same point. I don't know. But in the end, we're all going to be able to attain the same goal in the final destination in heaven. All right? So we've got to stick to it. The second is, along this journey, it's, God's trying to make us into something. All right? You know, I, I, I love the example of the gold and the furnace and how they, all, they do all that to refine it. And at the end, you have the, the final product, which is gorgeous. Okay? They get all the impurities out of it and all that stuff. The same thing is kind of true with us. As we're progressing along this journey, what's God trying to do? He's trying to get out those impurities. And what I mean by impurities, I'm talking about sins and strongholds and things like that. He's trying to get those out of there. And this journey, as we're progressing towards maturity that he's talking about, is going to be the thing that helps us do that. Okay? If we're willing to stick to it. Does that make the journey easy? No. That's where the hard part comes in. Because I don't know about you, but I don't like always trying to strain the impurities out. Okay? But you just got to, got to stick with it and keep progressing. There were two men traveling in the way. The first one said to the other man, how long have we been traveling the way? The other man answered, not long enough to get where we're going, but far too long to only be as far as we are. You ever feel that way? There's a lot of times I look at my Christian life, it's like, I really believe I should be here, but I'm way back here. You know what I'm saying? So we got to keep working at it. And it's like with the illustration of the celloist. It's small progression every day that finally we make, the, we, uh, we, we make progress. The journey's not always pleasant. The journey is different for everyone, but the destination is the same. And once we finally get to the end of that journey, it is rewarding. <sighs> right. The guide. Now, this is the crucial part, and this is what I found extremely encouraging to me. Because with the way that life is going and the way things that were turned around and seems to me a lot of times are backwards, this, this idea of the guide and the things that the Lord will will uh, help us with if we stick to him gives me an immense amount of peace so we have a guide let's talk about him for a minute i heard about an 83 year old man the other day who lived his entire life as a bachelor one day this man gathered his four nephews and announced them that he was planning on getting married his nephews were in shock one spoke up and said uncle are you getting married because this woman is beautiful? No, he replied. Another nephew asked, Uncle, are you getting married because this woman is a really good cook? No, he replied again. The third nephew questioned, Are you marrying this woman because she is rich? Of course not, he replied. The final nephew said, Uncle, if you're not marrying, her, not marrying this woman because she is beautiful or because she's a great cook or because she's rich, then why are you marrying her? With a wink, he said, I am marrying her because she can drive at night. We have a God who can guide us no matter what. Okay? And that is encouraging to me. So how does he guide us? Well, first of all, he's going to guide us in righteousness. In Psalms 23, 3, 
He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So, is he going to lead you in the path that's going to drag you through the mud? No. Very good. He's going to lead you in the right way. He's going to lead you in the holy way. Okay? He's going to lead you in the path of righteousness. I like that. Second of all, comfort. Okay? He's going to lead you in the way of comfort. Psalms 23, 4. Ye, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they what? Comfort me. I like that too. Because now I understand that no matter what comes my way, he's got it, and I can be comforted with that. All right? And we need to understand that at no point in this journey is God going to throw you into something that he doesn't believe you can handle. Now, you've got to be careful with that, because what we believe we can handle and what God thinks we can handle may be two different things. Okay? But he knows what we can handle, and he's not going to put you in a situation where he doesn't believe you can handle it. Okay? And there should be some comfort in that. Third, he's going to lead us in a path of fairness. Now, just stick with me. Stick with me. Psalms 25, 9. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. A socialist once came to Andrew Carnegie and soon was railing against the injustice of Carnegie's having so much money. In his view, wealth was meant to be divided equally. Carnegie asked his secretary for an assessment of everything he owned and at the same time look up the figures on the world population. He did a little arithmetic on a pad, and then he said to his secretary, Give this gentleman 16 cents. That's his, that's his share of my wealth. God's concept of fairness is balanced and perfect and far different from what we think. We need to trust him. Okay? I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good illustration. So the guy's yelling, saying, hey, I want my... And it only, it only came out to what? 16 cents. Now, is God just? Is he fair? Yes. Now, the problem is, is that we have a different idea of what fairness and justice is. And we get a little confused sometimes, and we think that God is not treating us fair when he really is. Okay? And the trick here, and from that verse, and what we need to understand is, we need to be humble. Does that make sense? Because if we're not being humble, then we're trying to guide God. When, in essence, we need to be the ones that is humble and trusting him so that he is guiding us. And that's what the verse was talking about. Okay? So, how does he lead us? He leads us in fairness. He leads us in comfort. And lastly, he leads us in wisdom. Now, am I talking about earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom? Heavenly wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. Because if, because if you're focused on the earthly wisdom, that's going to let you down very quickly. Because what is driving that wisdom? Fleshly desires. Okay? So we have to be careful that it's the godly wisdom that we're looking at. Let's use another illustration from Elizabeth Elliot. In her book, Let Me Be a Woman, records the story of Gladys uh, Alleyward. Unable to accept the looks God had given her, Miss Alleyward told them that as a child she had two great sorrows. One, that while all her friends had beautiful golden hair, hers was black. The other, that while her friends were still growing, she had stopped. She was about 
four feet, ten inches tall. But when at last she reached the country to which God had called her to be a missionary, she stood on the wharf in Shanghai and looked around at the people whom he had called her to. Every single one of them had what? Black hair and had quit growing about the same size she did. She was able to look to God and exclaimed, Lord God, you know what you are doing. How often do we do the same thing? We're complaining about something God's given us when he may be giving, us, giving it to us for what? A purpose to share his word. Okay? We have to trust him. Now, it may not seem fair at that time, but when he finally got her to where she was supposed to be, guess what? It seemed pretty fair then. All right? So we got to trust his wisdom. We have to trust his wisdom. And what we need to understand is that we can trust our guide with every word, every step, every counsel. He's never going to steer us wrong. Unlike my phone app, where it has turned me around backwards before, it's not going to happen with God. Okay? Every step, every way, he's going to be there along the way. And Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought, and strengthen your bones, and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. He's going to what? He's going to guide you continually. All right. So that means that no point on this journey is, is our guide going to take off and go off on his own adventure. Now, we may go off on our own adventure. You know what I'm saying? But he's still going to be standing right there waiting for us to circle back around and join him and keep moving forward. Okay. But at some point with this guide, it gave me immense peace. Knowing that if I'm willing to do these few things to trust him, follow him, get into the word find his will, then I can move side by side with Jesus. And that makes me happy. Because then, all this confusion about which direction I need to go is all going to make sense eventually. You know what I'm saying? I may not understand it here, and I may not understand it until I get to heaven, but as long as I'm walking with him, at some point, it's going to make sense. And that gives me peace. Because I know that whatever I'm doing, I'm moving with Jesus. So, where are you on this journey of life? Hmm? <laughs> and I love this question. And I think it's a perfect question to end on, especially as you're going into the next week. It says, are you letting God guide you or are you guiding God? Hmm? Which is it? Are we trying to make our own way, trying to do things our, ourselves? Or are we, are we relying on God like we should to let him be the guide in our life? Hmm? And if we are letting him be the guide in our life, there will be joy and there will be peace because you're trusting him. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we are extremely glad that you are our guide and that you're going to walk every step of this journey with us. Lord, I would be totally lost without you. But knowing the fact that you are there, watching and guiding, knowing that you really do have my best interest in mind, gives me peace. So Lord, I don't know what the next step is that you want me to take, but Lord, I'm willing to trust you and to stay next to you. So Lord, as I go this week, just help me to be the Christian person I need to be. Lord, help me to keep continuing to work on my maturity. Because, Lord, I want to get to that final destination. And I want it to all make sense. 
Thank you, Lord, for being our guide. In your name, amen.